Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 51 of Sheeler Select. Buzz, buzz. That's right. This episode is sponsored by searchhustle.com your resource for digital marketing training taught by digital marketers at the bleeding edge for digital marketers at the bleeding edge business owners and fresh marketing grads free for a limited time at searchhustle.com slash beta dash group. Let's get this show going. Bang. Sometimes they come or start running around and barking when we start doing this. So, yeah, I have a barky dog as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What, what kind? <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a labradoodle. He's gonna be two next month. And if you ever just you know rang our doorbell where you just never saw him, you would think he was a freaking German Shepherd. <laughs> and then we open the door and it's just like a fluffy little doodle. You'd never know. Those, those dogs are cool. They're aren't they hypoallergenic? Yep, they're hypoallergenic. Don't shed. Perfect. Yeah. So we'll never get rid of these two little guys. That might be my next dog. I don't know. So, what, what kind of dogs do you I have? Got, I got two little wiener dogs. Oh my gosh, cute, <laughs> super cute. Yeah. Uh, maybe when we stop recording, I'll put them up to the camera. But anyway, yeah, that will be nice. Yeah, I guess. So, well, yeah, we didn't come here to talk about dogs, though. So, uh, you wrote a book. Have you? How long I you did. been? How long you been writing? Um, well, technically, probably forever. I started out my career as a journalist, so writing was always part of the gig. Um, but fiction only in the last three or four years. And this is my first book that came out in September. So did you grow up wanting to be a journalist? Was that the, I did, uh, yeah. That was the plan? Yeah, I knew when I was 11 years old, I was going to be a journalist. Early? I Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up wanting to be an astronaut, you know, nice. a lawyer, whatever. But 11, I knew. I knew I was going to be a journalist. Well, what drawed you into being a journalist, do you think, at such an early age? I have no idea. Like I was a- probably watching CNN way too much growing up. I don't know. You sure it wasn't too much Star Trek? <laughs> I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so your love for star, uh, star Trek, is that part of it? Because your book's like a sci-fi fiction? Sorry. It's sci-fi fiction, but it's grounded. It's uh, set on Earth. It's essentially a murder mystery that also tackles race as a construct. So in the future, I imagine none of us in the future, again, we're not going to recognize each other by the color of our skins. So we're not going to be white, black, Asian, whatever, because of globalization war. It's going to be completely a multicultural and, and multi-ethnic world. And and that's essentially the crux of it. Um, but of course, not everyone, you know, there's a certain population that holds on to wanting to be pure-blooded and, you know, hold on to those those ideals that um, are somewhat relevant today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that's really the story. It's a murder mystery set in that um, colony called Corinth. And it takes place in 2046? Correct, yeah. So about 25 years from now. Yep. <laughs> no, it's almost um, 600 years from now. 20, oh, duh, for those who are doing math. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I hate math. Don't get me started. Okay, good. <laughs> Let's set one up. So... You think we're going to evolve into one race? Is that part of the book? Is that what you're saying? Well, it's not one race so much as it is just being so multicultural and multi-ethnic that there is no one race or culture anymore. Okay. For instance, my husband is German. He's white and I'm from India. And a lot of this book was built from the frustration of being 
part of a um of you know of just being you know even in california there's there are little pockets of you know people who are oh, we're asking where you're really from and it was just frustration of saying of explaining to my husband that you know this is what racism feels like and this is what i'm struggling with and and there was just a boiling point where i was explaining you no know, if we ever had kids those kids would just be american they wouldn't be german they wouldn't be indian they would and those kids would also just be people sure and that's and that's what i'm imagining so living in california you is like a microaggression is that what you're kind of saying that you're getting oh yeah not always not everywhere okay. but yes sometimes microaggressions blatant point blank just racism you know that's odd because i feel feel like california wouldn't be you know, based on just cause of, you know, them being, seems like very far on the left that they wouldn't be so much or so racism towards you or anything like that. No, and that's totally true. I definitely feel more at home here in California than I have anywhere else in the U.S. We've traveled around quite a bit in the last four or five years. Um, but these are exceptions, I think, to the rule. Not mm. everyone is racist or aggressive. It's these single individual experiences that sort of frustrate you because they think this is California. How how is this even possible? Sure. But you know, it happens. So you you've grown or you've moved all around the US? No, so I have lived in the US um I want to say six years. Oh. And I lived in India before that. Before that I lived in Dubai. Okay. So I've been around. <laughs> nice. So you were born in India? I was born in India. Yep. Okay. Lived there for a little bit and then moved to Dubai with my family spent all of my most of my childhood there before I moved to India where I was uh, a journalist is your family still in Dubai in Indiana okay so why move over to Dubai to Dubai um so my family when we were living in India we weren't really very well off my family always struggled they were poor and I think my parents were just at that point in their lives they were like you know we can't keep doing this we can't keep struggling we need to find new opportunities so we moved. Hmm. Well, that's, I guess that's a good yeah. reason. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, what did you like better though? Was Dubai, do you like, that seems a pretty happening city right now. Dubai is home. I mean, yeah. I've been, I went just before the pandemic started and I don't even recognize it anymore. Every time I go back, it's like a whole new skyline. It's incredible. Yeah. I see much stuff on yeah. videos all the time and it just looks. It's wild. Yeah. It looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's only like um, in the touristy areas. Like if I go back to my old neighborhood of the suburbs, it's totally the same. Hmm. Still the same old grocery store, the little breakfast place. The street. <laughs> it's all there. Interesting. Huh. Well, I also saw yeah, that. I highly recommend it. You speak eight languages. I do. I, I think maybe seven. Yeah. Seven. seven so or eight, yeah. how do you comprehend and stay focus on all those languages. I mean, can you talk or speak all of it fluently? All of them? Um, that's an interesting question. So I'm not sure how I define fluent anymore. Okay. For okay. instance, my mother tongue Tamil, I can speak it, but I can't read and write it. I can't think in it. And I can only speak it when someone asks me a question, like I'm not gonna, you know, make the effort and, and pick up conversation in Tamil. It just doesn't work for me. Sure. Um, also depends on what city I'm in. Like I don't know, it it, it comes and goes. Hmm. So you don't, you don't you're not always practicing. Like, nope, English is my first language. Okay, yeah, it's always yeah. fascinated people or, me, or fascinated me with people who can speak multiple languages like yourself and just how one person can, you know, keep track of it all as far as reading and writing and to be able to speak it fluently. I mean, or have or at least have a conversation with somebody. You know, I took four years of Spanish in high school and I just know the basics, but other than that, that's all I got. So I think it's just muscle memory. Like I had a really interesting childhood because mm -hmm. my parents, they're both from Bangalore, but they come from different cultures. <clears throat> like my mother is a Tamilian and my dad speaks Telugu, but we lived in Bangalore, which is part of the state called Karnataka and we have a state language. Mm -hmm. So that's already three languages at home, right? That makes sense. And then there's Hindi, which you have to study at school. So that's four. And English is my first language. So by the age of five, I'm already speaking five languages because I have no choice. <laughs> wow. And so just learning by the age of five, I mean, your brain is stuck with it all. And you're, you're, it's like so. a sponge, I guess, right? To absorb that amount of information, I feel like. Yeah. 
because I'm not like actively thinking about the grammar and the structure and the verbs, whatever. It's just whatever is being thrown at me. Yeah. So I had this, I have this theory that I was talking with uh, one of my friends, he's from the Dominican Republic, that if I was listening to say Spanish music or Latin music, whatever you want to say, that I would be able to comprehend and pick up phrases and eventually be able to speak that language just by from listening yep. to the music and, and like converting it over to English and saying, okay, that's what they're saying. I don't know as far as the pronunciation and everything, but he kind of, he's like, yeah, you might be able to, but what are your thoughts? Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely spot on because when I started studying Arabic in, um, in junior high school, I was able to pick up the, the script and like I could read and write it perfectly, but I wasn't always sure what I was reading and writing and television like all TV channels, all shows, they had um, English subtitles. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it would be Arabic subtitles. So that's how I was able to improve my vocabulary from watching TV. Nice. <laughs> so I think I think you have something there. Well, yeah. I mean, because there for a while, I guess, well, when I say for a while, it was probably a week or maybe a two weeks at the most. But I was just straight listening to that type of music. And I slowly picked yeah. up a couple of things, but then I fell off and went back to some my normal habits and... So, yeah, but I did pick up a few words and I said, like, oh, okay, you know, it's like stuff by Drake that he was singing with uh, Bad Bunny. I don't know if it, you know them, but I don't know. Okay, yeah, so anyway. You know what? Maybe what you need to do is like go to the Dominican Republic, spend like a month there and force yourself to speak nothing but Spanish. That's the way to do it. That's what everyone uh-huh. always says is that you just go there and live and you're forced to do it and you eventually yeah. just start picking it up. Just got to go to the fire. Okay, well, maybe it's our uh, next summer vacation. <laughs> yeah, and do it. Take a month and then we'll work. circle back. You tell me how it's going. Like. I think it might work. I mean, I think there's yeah. some, there's something to this. I mean, you know, yeah. who knows? We could just open up a new business and just say, "Hey, listen, oh, we'll yeah. teach you how to learn That's a new right. language. Just go there, <laughs> pay for our secrets." So, I don't know. Is there all right? So compared to the other languages, like you know, English has so much slang. Is there a lot of slang in the other ones you speak? Oh my gosh! Yeah, really, all of them. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Tamil is probably, I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I'm, it's been so long since I've been in India. I can't even, I don't even know what the new slang is, but I, I really struggle with the slang. Like, cause I studied proper Hindi cause I went, I studied in university. I studied Hindi literature and my family spoke pure Tamil and, and sometimes my cousins are you know, talking to me in like the, the slang tumble. I'm like, what yeah. are you saying to me? Can you slow down? Like, I don't know these words. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I always thought that that's what, I don't know, for some reason, I don't know, this is probably misinformation, but I heard something one time that it was really hard to speak English because, or, or learn English just because we had so much more slang than mm. other languages. So, because, you know, there's always a new word for something as, yeah. I don't know, as far as you get it from music or TV, like we're talking about, yeah. you know, just take place. And other languages, it's just, that's the only word for, you know, a drink or something. I don't know. It's... I mean, I think, I feel like that was probably true maybe 20 or 30 years ago. But now with social media and the play and so much television and music and craziness all over the world, mm-hmm. the young people are just too hip. They're like, not using these words anymore. It's too many syllables. <laughs> <laughs> So, so with your book, do you touch yes. on language as growing into the future? Is our is are people only speaking one language at one point, or is it still becoming, you know, divided among? I don't. So I don't touch on language in the book, okay. but I would imagine that people are speaking whatever languages they want to. It's it's not just English. It's the language. That, I mean, English. Should, I imagine will still be the universal language, but there's no reason for anyone to be non-multilingual yeah i agree right. because yeah <laughs> yeah no i mean why not i mean there's it can't hurt anybody to be that way so am i for sure yeah but yeah but sometimes i wonder just you know we're talking about you know somebody i forgot what podcast i was listening to but they were actually talking about using emojis would become a universal language at some point so i'm wondering what your thoughts were like going into the future if that's what you know, if we, you know, if we see the fall of civilization, that's what's going to be like people just writing. Yeah. Hieroglyphics. There you go. Hieroglyphics. Yeah. <laughs> and that would just be a universal language among people. We would just forget speech. And just because yeah. uh, 
you know, I've, I know I've talked about this before on this podcast, so excuse me, people. But you know, Elon, you know Elon Musk, obviously. I hope. Yes. So yeah. he's invented or has invented the a Neuralink, and it's supposed to be able to allow people to talk without or speak or communicate without using words. Words. Yeah. So it just seems like that's what we are being the narrative. A cult. I don't know if it's a cultural narrative, but a narrative that civilization is being pushed into now. So is the idea of the Neuralink to is it just basically mind reading? It's what it seems like, but he also said that, you know, it, you know, we're already cyborgs because we have a phone at our hands mm-hmm. and screen. So, but he was saying that if we want to get information from the internet or anything, we would not have to use our phones anymore. We basically have the internet built into that device and we would just use our brains just to download whatever information they have. And, but one, one cool thing he did say was that if you were a paraplegic, that you would be able to, walk again with this device which i thought kind of blew yeah. my mind no you basically just described one of the most pivotal um technologies used in my book oh <laughs> okay so that comes up in the book huh you don't have to, give, you, you don't have to give any spoilers or anything so right um no so i mean i talk a lot about technology but not specifically about language, because I think it terrifies me to just live in a world where we're using emojis to communicate. I think that would kill me. Yeah. Because the only emoji I use is the beer mug emoji. <laughs> so I, I don't know what I would really be telling people. Oh, yeah. You, you don't use any of the uh, the face emojis or the crying or laughing emojis? and I, 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 I use the laughing emoji quite a bit. Yeah. I use the yellow heart, but it's a lot of the beer emoji, like, that's that's my thing <laughs> <laughs> that's your signature emoji huh yeah, yeah. no i don't know i mean yeah, good morning beer emoji <laughs> <laughs> oh man i love it i love it but yeah just you know with technology and everything obviously technology makes our lives easier but it's also you know with like facebook cha- recently changing their name to the meta yeah, meta, the meta. yeah the meta metaverse whatever they're calling it but did you watch the um the video on it today. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg, that weird ass. Yeah. Like I watched it today and I was like, what on earth? Uh, no. Oh my gosh. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. Wait, wait. Did you see the part where ever watched it? Like somebody said their dog beast was going crazy. and It was just running back. No, I did. I no. Because like, he was freaking people. It was just a little dog, like probably like mine or whatever. And it was a beast is going crazy. Check this out. And they sent it over to Mark. And I was like, oh my gosh, y'all. Like who wrote this? I mean, you know, the, the poor dog was probably just traumatized looking at this. I don't want to be weird too. I don't want to be rude to him, but you know, he's kind of a, he looks like an AI. <laughs> but yeah, just, you know, I had another guest, probably his name was Rick Cromie. I don't know, a few weeks ago, but he was talking about, he wrote a book talking about all the inventions over time. And he was saying that as we keep going more into the future, we're going to rely on AI and robotics. And that's the next thing that's yeah. going to be a game changer for your human life. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, hopefully not within my lifetime because I dread it. I dread it so much, but I think it's probably right. Yeah. So is, in your book, do you think, or do you have it set up as there's no power or electricity or is that still have those amenities? They have all the amenities okay. and more. Okay. Um, yeah. It's, I think certain pockets that are holding on to those, you know, 21st century KKK ideals, but for the most part, the rest of the world has moved on and moved past, um, you know, just the structure that we now know. Yeah. You know, you were talking about, you know, obviously with race and everything and that, <laughs> hey, stop. And that, um, but there was another doctor I was listening to on a podcast, and I forget his name now, but he was actually talking about how the fall of Rome and Greece all pretty much ha- started to happen when humans started to, you know, basically say, hey, there's no rules in life anymore that we can do what we want to. And that gender became a big issue with them. And also, I guess, mm-hmm. I think race too. And I might be butchering that, so don't, you know, try me too hard people but so yeah but um yeah but that was a one big thing it was just a fall for rome and greece and it's just a, you know and it seemed like the way his point was that it seems like we're going in that direction and when i say we i mean humans are going in that direction yes, yeah. too and that it could just be anarchy i guess or apocalypse or apocalyptic whatever you want to say i mean i guess the question is do you want anarchy apocalypse <laughs> i mean no i mean i'm a structure type person you know i like yeah. you know i like structure and i like you know i think 
there should be rules. And, you know, you ever watch John Wick? The first one. Okay. I think my you- husband, I know when he's listening to this, he's going to take his headphones off. And I swear to God, he's going to tell me, I do you want to watch John Wick too? Because he asks me every damn Ooh. night and I say no. Amazing. Well, you should. But anyway, there's, there's, a, qu- there's a quote in there that he says, you know, the reason we have rules is because if we didn't have them, we'd be living with the animals. And- Which wouldn't be so bad. No? You don't think so? No. No, no. Oh my gosh, no. I think it will be incredible. Um, so my husband and I, we are um, overlanders, which essentially means we are off-road campers. We drive off into the wilderness, set up camp, and um, not like in a national park, in a forest with no electricity, running water, or anything. And and I think it's absolute bliss. You're like exploring places that's really not been explored sort like of, right? completely offbeat yeah, yeah like absolutely no humans around for hundreds of miles and and i love it like i love it it's so grounding and so peaceful like you wake up and there's like a little fox in your camp or yeah. deers and there's always a fear of bears and yes i'm afraid of bears but most people you know i i choose wilderness camping with bears over city life with humans <laughs> Well, why do you think? Why have you have you always been that way? I mean, what? How did you get get into that? Uh, into camping? Yeah, but I mean, into the camp. Well, into overlanding, and also, why do you think that you would choose the wilderness over city? Honestly, it's it's because I mean, look at how much technology we have. I and you're right. Like I'm walking around with my phone all the time. I have my AirPods on. I have a second phone for work, mm-hmm. and it's too much. I have two computers. I'm logged in all day and all night, and I love the option to just honestly disconnect where you can't reach me you know not even by carrier pigeon i'm off the grid (laughs) um and it's genuinely grounding like it gives us an opportunity to sit down take stock of our lives our relationship talk about you know how much how beautiful it is how much fun we're having when do we want to come back here how are we going to make this a reality like how are we always going to be camping yeah and and i love that you know you know, I always forget, you know, about light pollution and I don't really notice it. Like, so where I grew up, it's really, really remote and, you know, it's basically called a community rather than a, a town or whatever. So there's no stoplights. There's, you know, my high school is roughly 20, 30 minutes away down a huge mountain. But, you know, you look up at the stars and you're just like, oh yeah, you know, you just, you got, you yeah. get this weird feeling or I do anyway. It's just like, hmm, you know, there's, there's something else out there, you know, it's just, you know, what we should be yeah. always doing instead of staring at you know screens Screens, yeah Yeah, screens and fake lights all day so yeah because humans weren't actually built to be working nine to five jobs we weren't built to be looking at our screens all day long we're hunter gatherers right we were built to be sleeping under the stars and and god i i want us to do more of that yeah i mean you know i've I've never really been a camper i mean i just i don't know I (laughs) i just can't get into it you know i mean maybe if we went to glamping or whatever, is that what they call it? Yeah. 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 Like I'd probably, I probably would do that. But anyway, I just <laughs> can't sleep on the ground. It's just not, it's just not my back. Or maybe I just don't have the right so, supplies. I don't know. But I mean, well, I don't sleep on the ground. We have a rooftop tent. It's well, wait, you, like you had, you put the top or the roof or the tent on top of your car. The, I've seen correct, those. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it's safer. Badass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's a setup we need to hook you up with. Yeah, I'll just go out and buy one of those new Ford Broncos and just go off right No, not the Bronco. You got to get a Jeep. A Jeep, huh? You don't like yeah. you don't like to do yeah, Broncos? I thought they looked sick. No, it, it's I, when I think of Bronco, I think of OJ Simpson, and I can't disconnect the two. <laughs> that's a valid point. That's a valid point. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. <laughs> Well, we'll rethink the Ford Bronco then. But, yeah. Well, so how did you get into overlanding? I mean, did you, was that something you grew up doing or you, you and your husband just got you into it or what? Yeah, we discovered it together about five years ago. So he was teaching me how to drive when I first got here. Yeah. And he was really German about it. Like he wanted me to learn with different cars and different, <laughs> you know, climates. So one weekend we found ourselves with a Yukon XL driving down to Tahoe okay. and we spent the weekend it was beautiful and we had so much fun. We were like, Oh, maybe we'll stay a couple more days, but the hotel was sold out. And I, I made a joke. Why don't we just sleep in the back? <laughs> so Why not? And he took it one step further. He was like, no, we got to get a campsite. So we slept in the back of the car in um, Tahoe national forest, I think. And it was so good. We instantly fell in love. And two months later, we had a Jeep and a rooftop, and then we were just going for it. Y'all just went all out. I like it. 
What, when do y'all go? Do y'all go every weekend or is this a type of uh, maybe every yep. other week or something? So pre-COVID, we were camping maybe twice a month. Nice. And um, yeah, and during COVID, it's been harder because um, our spot, I, I won't say where it is, our spot, our top secret spot was closed down by Forest Services because young people. <sighs> Them young people, man. No, they trashed the place over summer in 2020 and so disappointing. So they had to close down the road and we haven't really been camping much, much. Mm. Mm. It's not fun. <laughs> no, no, but we've um, yeah had a couple of trips so far. So do y'all just start driving and then all of a sudden you just say, well, just pick this spot and go start going off from then? Or do y'all kind of look at the maps and decide where yep, you're... There's a fair amount of planning involved because um, you never know what you're driving into and we don't want to like get there and find that you know it's actually the edge of a mountain so there's a fair bit of planning um involved yeah hmm. so when you're out there alone like that you ever had any you know weird i don't know what i want to say like weird uh mm-hmm. stories or weird things happen and you're just kind of like make you puzzle about life and or is, well, there, is there other mythical creatures out there or just the weird humans. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my thing about camping is I am going so far away to get away from humans, right? If I wanted to camp at a regular campsite with other people, we would have just gone to a national park. Sure. Somewhere on the campsite with a, you know, running water, or whatever, but we're out in the wilderness and it's because I want to get away from people and the noise. So why on earth do other campers insist on parking right next to us in the goddamn wilderness? What is that about? <laughs> well, maybe they're scared. They're there's, coming up to you and they're like, oh, there's other people. We'll be, you know, strength know. in numbers. No, no, oh, no, 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 no. No, we've had to tell people like, no, if you're parking within 10 feet of our campsite, we're going to have a problem. Got to start <laughs> swinging yes, some like, fist, huh? You got to spit up. No, it's a whole thing like, and then you have like kids and they bring their generators and blow up mattress. And I'm like, what is happening? Oh, so they go big time camping, huh? They go big time. Right. Yeah. And we've had to in the past tell people, you know, can we have some space? You know, this, this entire 20 acres of land. Yeah. Yeah. yeah move on. You said yeah. you're scared. You no, said, it- you said you're scared of bears. Did you ever watch that, uh, Grizzly Man documentary? I did. Oh my gosh. I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, I, don't know, that was, that was, I mean, that guy's hardcore, though. Yeah, it, but he, it was almost like, was there something mentally wrong with that guy? With him? I can't remember, but I mean, just to go and it's like, hey, them bears don't give a damn about you, dude. Like, you know, he was naming them all. He was trying to play with yeah. them. And it's like, dude, they don't care. They And that's what ended up, spoiler alert, he gets eaten at the end. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I guess he just felt a certain like a really strong affinity to these bears. Yeah. Or maybe it was those specific bears. I don't know. What was that? Did they talk about that? Was it just the Alaskan bears or just bears? As uh, a I think it was that one group of bears in Alaska. Those yeah, bears like actually he felt like he was part of the tribe. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's crazy. I would never do anything so, so wild. No, no. You, no, you never no. come across any bears like that or anything? We saw a bear for the very first time last year in um, Montana. Yeah. That was pretty wild, but from a little bit afar, maybe 50 feet away. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Still, still too close, but yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I've ne- I've only seen a couple in real real life and I've been in a car. Really? Yeah. I've only been, but I've been in a car. I mean, so like where I grew yeah. up, you know, it was all farmland. So they would come in and eat the corn or whatever, but you just right. see them and they would just take off running if they saw us. But it was, it was black bears too. So they're not as big, but apparently mm. New Jersey's got a lot of bears, believe it or not. Mm. Fun fact. I heard that too. I, would, line. I did not yeah. think that either. I would never assume, I mean, connect New Jersey with bears. No, I didn't either. They just don't seem to go hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, we might need a fact checked on that. So, <laughs> but I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I heard that and I was pretty sure it was legitimate shores. So. But anyway, okay. what's your thing? Thanks back to your book. How long did it take you to write it? Uh, it took me nine months to write and another four or five to edit. And I took um, a break in between to go get married. Oh, well, so. that's nice. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to add it in because it was like the wedding planning took way too long. Uh, it's true. like, I got to edit this book. True. 
So did you ever deal yeah. with writer's block or anything? Or is this just something that you were so passionate about or something that you just had strongly on your mind? It was just easy and it wrote itself almost. What do you think? Well, combination. So I knew exactly what I wanted to write. Like it played out like a movie in my head. But it was um, it was really hard to write. Not just because I'd never written a book before. That was like a crazy new challenge. But I didn't realize how angry I was until I started to actually write it down. Because so much of the main character's experiences with racism um, were built on my own. And I was also researching all the stuff that happens to people around the world in this country. And it was a lot. And I really, really struggled to, um, to put all of it in in a really respectful, equitable way. So... And we can, if you don't want to talk about this, we can. But you said you were angry just because of the experiences you went through with racism, and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, so I want to preface it by saying that I think minorities can be racist too. Like we can be racist towards each other, and I've experienced a lot of it within my own home, my community, at school, and I never realized it. Like in the U.S., I was experiencing it from, you know, other people. And I also didn't have the vocabulary at the time to explain what I was feeling or experiencing. And and, and it was really hard. It was, you know, a lot of little things like um, people not getting my name right, even though they've known me for a year. Or mm. And that's, you know, obviously on the small end of the spectrum. And on the other side is, you know, someone threatening to call the cops on me because I'm walking my dog in my neighborhood. And it was really ridiculous things like that that were that was just driving all of that frustration and disappointment and anger towards the book. Walking your dog in your neighborhood. They wanted to call the cops. No. Yeah. Not even the neighbor was our, um, um, our parking lot. Yeah. Cause I didn't look like I belonged there. Cause I had a long day. I was in my pajamas. I mean, but it happens. I mean, you know, I, you know, I understand it does happen and it's still happening and it's basically caused a civil war and, you know, or a, what do you, what's the word about like, not a civil war, but a, it's a civil war, I guess. But I've just never really experienced anything like that growing up. And, and it's hard for me to talk about. Well, not really hard for me to talk about, it, but it's hard for me to relate to it. And I just feel bad that, you know, we're in 2021 and stuff like that's yeah. still going on and it's still almost mm-hmm. worse than ever. And it's just like, yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Why people decide that it's almost like they're weak characters and that because they find flaws with themselves or find flaws with their experiences in life, that they have to project this on other people to try to make themselves feel better. And it's just like, yeah. who cares? I mean, why, I mean, why do you care so much? Like a person, persons of a color skin, like, what does it matter to you, dude? You know? I mean, logical, fair questions, but I wish I had the answer. Um, well, I think and I think a lot of, of this frustration, because I think about a lot and I, think a lot of my frustration was not being able to explain what that felt like to my husband right because like you said you don't know what that feels like you can empathize yeah. and but you've never experienced so you have no idea how demeaning and hurtful those experiences can be especially when it happens at work within your friend circles um even if it's a really harmless comment you know like do indians need to wear sunscreen like yes of course everybody needs to wear sunscreen like that kind of a, you know it's it's unconscious bias to just the whole whole nine yards and and so much of my frustration was just not being able to articulate why this is wrong why you can't ask me these questions and why it's inappropriate and i think i was trying to distill and disconnect my thoughts and trying to put it into some kind of coherent fashion and, and that was essentially the book Hmm. you know that you know i want to give some people the benefit of the doubt so i'm not i'm generally speaking when i say you know people are being racism and why it's still going on in our country and they're all over the world but you know it's almost could be a fact that just people don't even could be a lack of education just a lack of knowledge and that yep. you know if we, we said we touched a little bit on microaggressions earlier that you know i know growing up and uh where I was, like I said, it was very remote that, and, you know, most people would say that it was very redneck and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, but it was common for somebody to say, especially an older person just to say, Oh, mm-hmm. uh, where are you from? Or you don't sound like you're from here. And, but they, mm-hmm. but that was just 
how they talked, but I don't think they meant right. any harms to it, but they didn't realize that other people do f take harm to it or offense to right. it. And that's what yeah. would cause conflict. And you're absolutely right. But I think what really drives it for me is if let's just say hypothetically, you said something hurtful to me mm -hmm. and I said, no, Chris, that was not okay. And, and I'm going to explain to you why. And if at that point you pushed back and said, no, you're crazy. Yeah. Like that's when it all falls apart for me. It's this inability to, to listen, to acknowledge, to understand why something might be hurtful to someone else. Mm -hmm. Like th that's what gets me. Like I, I completely understand that someone might just not have the background, the knowledge or the education to, to be sensitive and, you know, to respect diversity, but you at least have to be open to hearing out why that's not okay. You know, and, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up because I try not to be married to any of my ideas. And that's one thing I've learned mm -hmm. in the last few years is don't be married to your ideas, you know, be able to have open discussions and be able to, yeah. and just like you said, if I did offend you or was someone, you know, I, I make mistakes. I fuck up all the time. Mm -hmm. it's just mm -hmm. Who I doesn't? Am. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but I learned from my mistakes. I was like, okay, but I, and I do re respect people who would say, oh, hey, no, Chris, you fucked up. This is how mm -hmm. you should have done it or this is how you should fix it, you know, and like, Hey, you know, and, and I try to take responsibility. If I mess up, I take responsibility for it. I apologize for it. I own up to it. Try to go on, but I learn from mistakes, mm -hmm. but not everybody's like that. You know, there's a lot yeah. of people who want to be right all the time and that's just, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I want to be right all the time. And the, and the, you know, person B would want to be right all the time. And that's just, you know, adding gas to the fire. And no, I, I mean, that's a really good point. And I, I as you were speaking, I, I just realized, that I haven't always been able to speak up and tell someone when they've offended me or hurt me. I think it's probably the case for a lot of people. Like we don't immediately speak up. Mm -hmm. We just say, okay, whatever. I'm just going to let it go. It was the one time I'll say something next time. Next time rolls around and we just never speak up. So it keeps building. And maybe the other person thinks, oh, it was just a joke. It doesn't mean anything. She understands. Yeah. And there is courage in speaking up and saying, no, you hurt me. Yeah. Yeah. And there is. And, you know, I'm a, I'm just like you. I don't really like confrontation. I never really have. And, I, you know, for the most part, I've always tried to avoid it at all costs I can. But just like you said, you know, even no, the word no is a very powerful word. And that's something I'm still learning as I grow older in this life. Yeah. Um, and it, but it's, it's not yeah. easy to learn. And like you said, mm -hmm. just, you know, you you let somebody get away with it one time, then it seems like, okay, that's just a joke. We'll keep going with it, right. but mm -hmm. it, yeah. it, it never ends. And then you're almost like, I can't do anything about it now. So, Right. Until you just explode and just completely lose it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, then it almost makes the, then you're almost seen as an emotional wreck. and As that, the crazy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah. it's like, you don't have your shit together. And it's like, no. Yeah. That's and it just feeds into that whole stereotype about being the crazy person of color. Yeah. yeah. And, but yeah, so. I don't know. I just, I don't know. It's just, like I said, it's just hard for me to, I, 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 I empathize with you and it sucks. I, that's how I know how to say that. And yeah. I hate it. No, thank you. you. I appreciate that. It, it does suck, but you know, for every bad experience I've had, I've had a hundred more incredible ones. I'm lucky to have an incredible support system that listens to me, that talks me through it. And, you know, if I've had an experience, I can always go to my friend and say, something happened. Am I overreacting? Talk to me. So that's wonderful. Yeah. I, I never had that before until I came here. That's great. You know, and one thing that, you know, I've learned that, you know, as far as, you know, even if somebody's getting bullied and that mm -hmm. if they're an innocent bystander, if they actually just said, you know, to the person bullying someone to say, hey, man, that's really not cool. Or, hey, man, why yeah. don't you stop? I mean, most times I forgot what the percentage this was, but this was someone else. He was an MMA fighter talking about this, Justin Wren. Cool. And he was saying that because he was bullied growing up. And he actually said that, hey, you know, more often than not, that if you said like, hey, that's not nice or hey, you should stop that, that most times the bully would just stop and be like, oh, yeah. Or he might mm. just go on about his ways and thus. Yeah. I mean, if people would notice that more, even just what we've been talking about with racism and whatever that, you know, maybe it might help. Maybe it might not. Maybe I'm way off base here, but yeah. I mean, it's worth a shot. I mean, that can't hurt anything. It is. It totally is. Yeah. So I don't know. But, you know, it just yeah. sucks. You know, we're talking about the future and that it seems like our problems and America and the world are just not getting any better as we go, even though we think that they are just, it seems yeah, like each new day I mean, there's a new problem or a new situation that causes something worse. 
I do think that in some ways things are better because 10 years ago, I would not have been able to write such a book and have it published. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, you've grown from <laughs> yeah. all these experiences and you became stronger, it seems yeah. like. I think so. Yeah. I mean, or at least more understanding, more understanding, because I know that it's not just me. I know that, you know, my peers, my friends have also experienced similar things. And, and there's power in knowing that I'm not alone. Do you have any brothers and sisters? I'm an only child. Okay. Well, I was just going to ask if they've kind of dealt with the same situations as you have. but No, but I have a ton of friends who are, you know, Asians or people of color. And yeah, especially at the start of the pandemic, um, it was really, really hard for me to hear their experiences. Um, I had a friend who went into the supermarket, to the Asian supermarket, and she was bullied in there. Yeah, and someone tried to, you know, spit at her and... Um, spit at her? Yeah, in, um, in San Jose, California. And yeah, that was really, really hard. Because if you met my friend, she is the nicest, sweetest girl in the whole world. Yeah. And that this would happen to her was infuriating. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, yeah, you're an innocent person just being in a supermarket, yeah, and all of a sudden you're being yeah. bullied. <sighs> Just trying to buy some food, man. I mean, no, I, I mean, like you went to an Asian supermarket. There's going to be Asians in there. Like, what were you expecting? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it just blow, it's blowing my like, mind. Like, why are you here? I mean, do you have hope? I mean, what gives you hope? Mm-hmm. I mean, hope for gives yourself. Hope. hope for humanity. Hope for. Oh my gosh, that's such a. Such a strong question. Okay, I feel like it's a multi-tiered answer. So personally, for my own life, for my work, my marriage, my puppy, whatever, um, my husband, my husband gives me a lot of hope. He is, um, yeah, he he is my true north. <laughs> he keeps us straight. Good. So every time I feel like something is falling apart, he's like, it's going to be fine. You're doing great. Look at all the things you accomplished. It's like, okay, you're right. No. You're my voice of reason. Yeah, my husband. The rest of the world, I don't know. I think I don't know. Maybe my answer would be different if you asked me tomorrow or if you'd asked me yesterday. But today, in this moment, not much gives me hope for the world around me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm very very lucky to have incredible friends and a support system, but and a great job. I have a fantastic job that also keeps me focused and but the rest of the world I don't know Mm. I feel quite anxious when I think about you know everything that's happening around us and I'm reading the news and I just can't take it anymore yeah it's it's too much yeah yeah I've tried to basically stay away from reading the news I usually get my news from a couple podcasts now that I'll just kind of go through and I get my news from Colbert because at least I can laugh about it. He's a cool dude. I like he him. is. He is awesome. Yeah. So, but yeah, I feel I like mean, we could be friends. But it's just, you know, I think about that too. Is just that, are we being destined for doom here? Like what I, what I was saying about earlier, just going into a complete free fall of humankind. Yeah. And, but I don't know. So, because I question myself, you know, thinking, especially when I'm alone by myself and, you know, I like driving at night and so, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll just go out for a little drive and just some your thoughts yeah, out and stuff. Think, yeah. yeah. Plus it's just, I don't know, for some reason driving at night just, it makes sense to me. Like it's just nice. It's and, quieter. Yeah. And you can just put yeah. on some like low chill music. music. Yeah. yeah. And you just, yeah. you and your thoughts. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So sometimes I feel weird. You know, I don't know. But I usually no, don't. it's, I think it's the most relaxing thing ever. It's like, it's, it's almost like camping. It just, Taking in your surroundings, or, you know, yeah. listening to that hum of the the wind. Yeah, yeah. you know, then, you know, like this, you know, and when I hear questions like that, that I start asking myself, like, what if somebody asked me that? You know, do I have hope? I don't know. I mean, then I start thinking, like, well, there is some good in this life. We just got to find it. Yeah. But it just can't always be found. Everyone wants to always focus on the negativity and the wrong mm-hmm. things in life, and and I don't know. I guess that's yeah. what gets attention that's what gets your clicks and that's what brings people's eyes and, you know like the facebook whistleblower 
Do you remember? Did you hear that mm-hmm. story? Mm-hmm. That, yep. that she was saying that was part of the algorithm for Facebook. Yeah. Was that to draw your eyes in on the hate, and that's why it would always show up like that? Mm. You know, this is why I stopped working for a newspaper. I started my career as a journalist in Bangalore, right. working for a local newspaper, and and I spent about fourteen months there, and it was the hardest fourteen months of my life, I think, because it was steeped in negativity. It was constantly focusing on crime, on horrible things happening to people around me too. And I, I eventually, I think towards the end, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, it's a slow news day. Maybe there's going to be an accident. I wish there would be, you know, like I, I wish something happened. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm turning into an asshole. I'm hoping for bad things to happen to people so I could have a byline. And, and I just couldn't anymore. Because, I mean, how awful is that? Like how absolutely awful to like genuinely want something awful to happen so I could work. Um, yeah. So yeah, I never worked for newspaper again. Was that part of just part of the editor or you, and you don't have to call anybody out or say anything like that, but just that was, were they pushing you towards that though? Just saying, Hey, this is the type of stories we need and this is what we want. You know, honestly, I think that was just the culture of the news industry in India. Bad news sells. Um, no one wants to hear about puppies and rainbows. I mean, they'll take the occasional good, you know, human interest story, but it was rare. And I think it was just, I, I think it's just the news culture in India. Um, it's its toxic. Hmm. You know, yeah. I'm surprised to hear that about India. I mean, I guess it shouldn't be, but... Because I know in America, that's what it seems to be the cultural norm for news in, in this country. But, you know. No, it's like Fox News on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> but it just seems like in other countries, it would be somewhat different. And, you know, I've heard of other people yeah. saying, no, I get my news from, you know, in England or France. And I just learn what's going on over there. So I guess not. Yeah, no, there's maybe. just no dignity in news anymore. And, and that really breaks my heart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. You can just turn to a couple channels and it seems like all the same stuff and they just find one story and they got to dig on it, dig on it, dig on it. Then just, yeah. it's oh like, they're just, yeah. and it's like, all right, we get, we get the gist of it. Just tell me that part, but like, no, yeah. they got to analyze and break it down and show stats mm-hmm. and then and talk the about, pictures. Oh, yeah, God. here's something from 14, 15 years ago. It's like, this is not even related. Mm-hmm. Who cares what happened? Then? And this is exactly why I'm watching cold breath for my news. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't know. Like he gives it to me straight. <laughs> Yeah. So, what did you what What are you doing now as far as work? I mean, you don't have to give out a lot of details, but yeah. I mean, so you went to journalism to. I went to journalism school. Um. So, well, I can give a quick break. Don't know. You mean what I'm doing right now? Like whatever you want to give. Yeah. Well, whatever you want to give away. Sure. Whatever um, you want to share. So I work for a Fortune 500 company here in the Bay Area, okay. and I've been with them two years, and that's my day job. I love it. Okay. So, is it not anything journal journalism related at all? Nope, nice. <laughs> I'm in marketing and communications. Okay, yeah, I know how that which goes. Is, <laughs> yeah. It's it's a bit of a segue from journalism, but it's great. Yeah, no, I I, I get it completely. Uh, you know, I went to school trying to be a PE teacher and went down that road, got my master's degree, and then now I work in IT for our college here. So <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's awesome. I mean, I I love. I mean, so I started with the newspaper, then I did. Um, I was, I covered difference in aerospace for like another eight years and somehow I found myself in marketing communications. Like, I don't know how that happened. Hmm. Yeah. Just, you know, life, like life. Yeah. Just life. It's just life. life. Very, yeah. You know, and now I'm writing books. I don't know. So, you know, I've read, recently read Matthew McConaughey's, McConaughey's book, Green Lights. Have you read that? Mm-mm-mm. Okay. Well, all right. All right. All right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Surprised he didn't call it that. <laughs> you know, he probably was like, "That's everybody will get it." I got to do something. Yeah, but the basically the gist of the book is he talks about his life and his career and that yeah. how one of the uh, common denominators in his life he actually saw was that when he saw a green light of something like opening up as far as like a part that he was mm. going to play or you know I think he talked about something about his marriage, but like, oh, that's a green light. I need to take this and rather than just push it away and mm-hmm. you know go away from it and not take this opportunity. So, you know, that's one thing I've been dealing with. When you see an opportunity, when something comes up, you know, take it, you know, take it. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm not saying take every, like, you know, if it one's really bad, I mean, just don't go take, if someone yeah. offers you something bad, don't do that. But obviously, you know, yep. like, don't be afraid of success. Your options. Yeah. 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 No, no, that's, no, that's really good advice. And I, you know what? It's so funny you mentioned this because I think a couple of weeks ago, I watched an interview he gave and he was talking about how he took four months off and he went camping and he was just in the middle of nowhere writing his book with yeah. no running water or electricity. And yeah. I was thinking... That is commitment. Like, should I be doing that? Yeah. No, that's exactly what he did to write this book is that he talked – I forgot he yeah. went to a desert or something. I might be way off yeah, base. but it was so crazy. But yeah, just – I mean, just that's what he said. how much more work could you get done just oh, – you're alone with everybody. You're just writing a book. You don't have all the distractions. The I mean, distractions, yep. And that's why I love camping so much. Yeah. Because yeah. you get so much done. Yeah. Do you ever I mean, get real idea. philosophical with yourself? Like, you know, when we were talking about do you have hope when you're out there, do you start thinking to yourself, you know, like what is the meaning of life or – I'm filled like really- with hope when I'm camping. I feel like it's probably when I'm feeling my calmest, when my anxiety is at its low. Mm-hmm. And I just feel almost at peace because I can breathe. The The air is cleaner and the bacon smells great. <laughs> Do y'all bring all y'all's food out there to cook? And Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, we cook. I didn't yeah. know if, I just wonder if y'all beer. were actually, actually hunting and like we're only eating if we kill something tonight. So. No, no, that's too hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you talk, you, you said something about the hunter gatherers the other or earlier, and it's just like, oh, well, maybe that's what they're out there doing, just trying to get a little. Oh no, no, no! We we hunt and gather from Whole Foods. Ah, yeah, that's a good choice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we don't have a Whole Foods around here where I'm at, but I've, once I've been but to, so if it's good enough to, mm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Have you, uh, <laughs> Bert Weinstein? He wrote a book, a hunter hunter's gatherer's guide to the 21st century. You should. Mm. It's, I, I gotta look into that. Yeah, check that one out. It's it's basically not what you exactly what you would think it is, but it's basically just talking about how, you know, obviously modern life has almost changed completely our primal instincts and our hunter gatherer ways, and that now they gave good reasons and bad reasons, but it's it's, it's a decent yeah. read. It's a quick read. What's your yeah. favorite? What's your favorite book? Are you a big reader? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a big reader. Sorry, okay. that was like, well, yes, yeah. yes, I'm a nerd. Well, I mean, that's fine. I don't know. I didn't know. Um, no, no, I'm a, I'm a big reader. Yes, I'm. What is my favorite book? Or your, you can give a top three if you don't have an all-time favorite. Or um, top whatever. Oh my gosh, still, still very, very okay. hard. Um, but you know what? Uh, recently, this is the first book that came to my head. Um, I, I read a nonfiction book called Salt this year. It's written by Mark. Kurlansky. I hope I'm not saying that wrong. It's called Salt, and it's a history of salt through the ages. And he's talking about um, the socioeconomic, you know, structures, uh, like h- how it's impacted the world throughout the ages. So, in the beginning, humans um, use salt for medicinal purposes, for you know, at weddings and um, what else, food. funerals. Not quite food. Oh, that no, came, they, I feel, they like, preserve their food with it, right? Like meat? Right, yes. Yeah, okay. mm-hmm. Salting, yep, yeah, correct. And um, and he was also talking about how humans um, thought salt had some kind of magical powers because, you know, when we sweat, our, all of our body bodily fluids have salt in it. Sure. And the ancients thought it was some kind of a magical thing and how towards the end of, I don't know, the 16th, 17th century, you know, there was a salt tax because salt was just so powerful people went to war over it and I thought it was just so fascinating I mean it sounds ridiculous salt like it's this 99 cent thing that's sitting in your kitchen and you don't really think about it but it has such a storied history and and yeah I never ever considered that yeah it's only in the last hundred years that salt is so widely available and so cheap but it's it was mind-blowing to me salt yeah I mean I get it because you know, back then, I mean, you know, like there's many uses for it. So mm-hmm. why not? You know, if it's a high currency, yeah. there, there was some, I forgot, there was someone else talking about how, I think it was in Denmark or I don't, I'm going to butcher this. So I don't even know what country it was. But anyway, they were talking about they uh, growing tulips and using that as a cu- currency and that how just obviously the amount of tulips you had, which sounds so stupid, I, but that was what your wealth was based on. And that's how they actually used yeah. to buy specific goods and whatnot. Did you watch Dune? Yeah, I did not watch Dune. You know what? I watched the first, the very first 10, 15 minutes, and then that was it. Well, the, their whole movie was actually based on like 
they were trying to get spice and that was yeah, yeah and that was our currency and whoever controlled the spice i guess controlled everything yeah i really struggled with dune have you read it no i didn't i didn't read it but i watched the movie okay. yeah so I I, yeah, I I i read roughly a, one book a month and i feel like that's pretty good and when i say read i'm an audiobook guy so some people fault me on that i think no listen it it counts think about it this way six seven hundred no beginning of time this is how we were telling each other stories right it was verbal storytelling you sat by the fire and you told stories true so why are people taking a dump on audiobooks it makes no sense yeah this is this is how we told each other stories it's yeah yeah, that's a great point i'm gonna bring that up next time but that i don't know that when i have two headphones in that's just how i seem to learn or actually can actually get dialed in it's just i'm focused Mm -hmm. in on this i can understand it and plus when they say specific words as opposed to i'm reading i know how they pronounce them and i don't feel like Mm -hmm. an idiot so yeah i mean there's no shame in audiobooks i wish people would stop uh you know making fun of it yeah totally counts yeah but yeah so like i said i go through about one book a month and uh, would you last read uh that hunter's gatherer's guide the 21st century and it was pretty quick so okay. now I'm looking for my next one on Audible. So new month, new credit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's good. Yeah, I don't do audiobooks because um, it's still relaxing for me. I go to sleep. Ooh, okay. Then you just got to yeah. go back up and start all over again? Yeah, exactly. And it's like three hours have passed somehow from this short nap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, all right. So what do you do when you're not writing and working? You just... Are you researching various topics and getting information or working out? When I'm getting the fitness in, I work out, mm-hmm. <laughs> drinking beers, so, <laughs> all, all of the above. Okay. So when I'm writing full time, I'm not reading at all unless it's research. Gotcha. But when I'm also writing all the time, I'm working out a lot more because um, I find that it helps me focus um, and problem solve when I'm like, you know, punching something or running on the treadmill like something something about the weight and all of it it just clears my mind mm-hmm. I know how it but goes. when i'm not writing yeah <laughs> I, I trust me i'm all about that life yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah very few people get it like this is when i'm in the zone but thank you mm-hmm. feel validated mm-hmm. um what else when i'm not writing we usually travel my husband and i we like to road trip camp obviously mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else? take a lot of naps on the weekend mm-hmm. okay i'm not a big napper like i've never been so how's that who, i don't who know doesn't nap? i don't know I, but, what's wrong with you you know like i guess because i don't know i just you know unless i've had too much sweet tea to drink and when i say sweet tea mm. i mean alcohol <laughs> but that's the only sure. time i ever catch myself <laughs> napping so i just never really you been... are missing out you are missing out know. it's the most beautiful thing in the whole world well that's what i hear you know a good power nap can just mm, yeah. you know just make yeah, somebody's so day good. but you know mm-hmm. I, I guess i get my seven eight hours every night and yeah so well, i don't know i guess that's why i've always felt like nah i don't need a nap and so and i've never really <laughs> felt like i've ever needed it so and i did even uh sober october this month mm. and we cut out even caffeine this month too so me and wow. some friends okay. and I, and that was a bit, that was different oh, that was hard yeah some somehow like three o'clock rolls in and i am ready yeah <laughs> i'm ready for that well, one thing I learned was that I didn't realize the amount of caffeine I was actually taking in on a daily basis, you know. Really? Yeah, because, you know, I, you know, when I get to work, I'd have a cup of coffee, maybe two. Then throughout the day, I would get bored and I'd get another cup of coffee. And then but sometimes before my workouts, I'd go drink one of those Rains or Bangs. And then, you know, I, I and when you add my up, like. My stomach hurts just hearing you, you. Yeah, when you read up all the, or figure up all the milligrams, I was like, what the fuck was I doing? Like, no, I mean, but I was still getting sleep, so I didn't think there was anything wrong, but. I did notice I am sleeping yeah. better though. I'm actually getting, you know, dreaming again. So Oh wow, is... you were probably so wired up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was it was weird. I, I you know, like I said, I like usually by eleven o'clock I'm in bed all the time. But okay. but now I wow. notice that I'm actually dreaming. So I don't know. But I didn't feel it's like I was really wired up interesting. All the time. Yeah. I recommend trying. Are you noticing like your body has changed? Like are you working out better without the caffeine um, and the alcohol system? You know, so right now we're trying to do a competition where we're trying to compete to go to uh, Miami. And mm. I, I was talking, and it's a team-based one. And so I was telling one of my uh, guys on the team that, because he was doing it with me, I said, you know, I used to think that, or my brain actually was telling myself that I needed to drink tons of caffeine before these workouts to get that extra boost. But after a few weeks, it was like, no, I don't really, 
that was just needed, yeah. yeah it was almost you know like a caffeine addiction i guess but yeah um but no i, I didn't really notice it no there was no decrease in my performance or mm-hmm. i don't i wouldn't say there was a huge increase either but mm-hmm. there's just no de- decrease which that's what it meant the most to me obviously but yeah wow but, man I, I drink one cup of tea a day and that's it oh <laughs> wow <laughs> Sure. And I have a Coke. I have a Coke with lunch. Mm. A Coke Zero or a regular Coke? Regular uh, ice cold Coke. Wait, so are Coke you, Zero, uh, please. <laughs> <laughs> but so are you a Coke or a Pepsi person? Well, obviously you're a Coke, but if you had to get a Pepsi, I mean, is that, do you draw the you line? Know, it's fine. Like, just give me a water. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's not bad. But, you know, if I had to choose, of course, I choose, with, you know, I go with Coke. Mm, yeah. yeah. Sometimes I see the massive Coke vans, you know, like the the six wheeler ones. Yeah. And I had this deep fantasy of just hijacking it one day and just like, yes, so rich, <laughs> drowning in Coke. <laughs> well, if, if you figured out the secret formula, that'd be really make you rich. That, that would. Be, oh my gosh! Can you imagine? Yeah. Like you know, uh, I, I think their uh, headquarters is in Atlanta, and mm-hmm. I think it's supposedly they keep the secret. You know, in like a safe somewhere, yeah, some big safe. It's like, like I don't know if her just heard like this. KFC. Yeah, yeah, like Coke and KFC, and there was one more that they keep. That's like one of the most well kept secrets in the world. Like other than, yeah. I guess, basically Coke. two of my favorite things under lock and key: Coke and Damn KFC. It. Yeah, that's all I need. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, um, before we get off here, we did an hour. That went by really fast. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so why don't you tell everybody how to get your book, where to find you if they want to, if they want to learn all that good stuff and how cool you are and all that. It's your time to shine. All right. Um, so you can follow me on Instagram. It's author Bindia Schaefer. That's B-I-N-D-I-Y-A, Bindia Schaefer. Um, on Twitter, it's just my first and last name, Bindia Schaefer. I'm everywhere. My website is also bindiaschaefer.com. Um, you can buy my book on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles, check your local bookstore. They might have a copy or two. Um, and if you have any questions, if you have any questions, any comments, anything at all, just message me anywhere, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I, I'll, I'll probably get back to you in like an hour or so. Oh, you're quick on it. Oh, wait, I, am, yeah. I forgot to ask, is there a future for a second book or another books in the process? Mm-hmm. A sequel for this book, you mean, or just like other books? Just anything, yeah. You don't have to talk, yeah. You don't have to give out the ending to your book, but yeah. <laughs> no, well, I don't know. Um, a sequel, maybe. You know, this book was so hard to write and it was such a hard place to spend time in. It's it's really going to take a lot for me to go back and write a second book, but maybe I I leave the door open there. Um, I just finished writing my second book this summer. It's um, <laughs> Discovery of Witches meets A Thousand and One Nights it's it's interesting it's you know i want to challenge myself and write um a love story but also you know something said in the desert it's a love story it's it's love-ish discovery of what what is it called discovery of witches yeah do you you not know it no a discovery of witches you gotta you know this is this has to be your next audible book okay it's um it's also a tv show it's good it's about this young witch who discovers vampires are real my book neither has witches nor vampires, but it has a certain bent to it. <laughs> There's some magic involved right. and fancy. I, I gotta look this up now. Discovery. Okay, I'm writing down. Mm-hmm. A little and bit the too. the actor is super cute. Like super cute, huh? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I made that gesture so you know he's cute. Oh, okay. That's you know it's for real right there. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. Now I got some homework to do. Well, yep. all right. Um, anything you want to say before we get off here and all that good stuff? I just thank you for having me. This was so lovely. Good. Yeah, I had a great time with you. This was awesome. Yeah. So now you just have to go read Discovery of Witches, watch some Star Trek, drink some beer, and oh, my job here is done. That's all of it. Wait, wait, that's what's okay. Like, I don't know if you can see it. Uh, hold on. See my little Tie Fighter. I I see it. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I, I build Lego sometimes with my pet. It looks good. Time. Okay. Wait, you built that? Yeah, it's a Lego. Wow, impressive! No, I can't tell from here. Yeah, so yeah, I'm that's on my nerdy side when uh, during the winters and stuff, when I'm not going out or doing anything, I go build a Lego or two. 
Awesome. Yeah, Very yeah, nice. Yeah, real cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No. Uh, before this gets too nerdy, all right, we're out of here. Um, stay classy, people, and all that good stuff. Be good to yourself. Bye. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.